King James Version uh, journal, the Word Bible. And it is published by, um, I'm going to tell you, I have a point with this. Thomas Nelson. I thought it was a Thomas Nelson. You can order that on Amazon. It's like that big because I got the large print because I didn't want to read, pick up my glasses every time I tried to read it. And sometimes lighting is small, you know, light, and I'm not able to see. So I didn't want to have glasses, so I got the large print. But here is why that's important. This morning I spoke to some of the people who are grandparents, and I see a good number of people here tonight that are. Now, one of the greatest things you can leave your grandchildren is your Bible that you journaled. You see, when you pass and you leave your Bible and those margins are full of your notes, it'll be a treasure. So several years ago, years ago, I grabbed a journal Bible and went through it and made notes. And when my son's birthday come up, I gave it to him for his birthday. And then when my daughter's birthday come around a year or two later, I was able to finish another journal Bible and gave it to her. I've done four of those and gave it. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Let's give Pastor a great hand. What a great man God he is. I thank the, thank the Lord for him. Amen. And uh, so each and now uh, my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law uh, both have received one of these. And then the last one I did, I kept it. So now I've got this new one. And I'm working on it. So I'm going to share with you just a little notes out of it today. Just, I just got it. I haven't had it very long. And uh, so I'm going to share some notes out of it today. And I'm going to read from the book of Job. Possibly the book of Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. I know it comes later if you have a regular Bible, but if you had a chronological Bible, you might find the book of Job first. It actually was written at the same time as Exodus 2, when, when uh, Moses was about 50 years old. He was still in Egypt. He hadn't left yet to go to Midian and be a shepherd over sheep and work for Jethro. So he was about 50 years old. And so that's the time period. 1530 B.C. is about the time period for this book. Now, why is all that important? Because Job gives us an incredible insight into the nature of God that we would not have if we didn't get that first. Because God, here's what God wants you to know. He wants you not just to know him he wants you to know about him. He wants you to have a relationship with him, but he wants to tell you about himself. So he will lead you in times in your life, and, and in times of your life, you're going to go through areas where you're going to need mercy. And that's his, the school. That, that's the lesson for the day or for the week or for the month that you're going to. There's other times you're going to learn, and here's the big one, trust. That is going to take, or you're going to have to learn the school of forgiveness. And you're going to go through that. And you're going to go through things in life. And the reason is, is not because God doesn't like you. It's because God loves you. And he knows that many of us are visual learners. 
We learn a lot by the people around us and by the situations we go through and around the people we go with. And so what happens is, is that as we live life, God said, I want to show that I'm there in that situation. I want to show I'm there in this situation. So in every part of life, God is leading us. In fact, Proverbs says, don't forget to listen to your teachers because the teachers are everywhere. They're in every classroom. Every And so life is a school. So in 1520 BC, I said 30, but 1520 BC, when the book was wrote, God was saying, this is my megaphone for a hurting world. This is what I want to say to people who are hurting. This is what I want to say to people who are having a bad day. This is what I want to say to people whose family didn't turn out right. This is what I want to say to people who are going through life and just coping with stuff. I, this is what I want to say to people who are in pain. And when you read that book with the realizing that God is a God of divine justice, that he never chooses anything to hurt us. He chooses everything to show us how much he loves us. And in that pain, he wants to shout it into your ear, whisper into your ear, I'd rather say, and tell you just how much he really loves you. God sometimes is so close to those that are having a hard day. It's in those valleys or in those dark times of life that often these girls did such an amazing job tonight. And over and over and over they sang about that Jesus, you know, you speak his name, he'll bring peace. And they spoke his name. And so this morning I told about the dove. Remember that? And about how that, I, that man was talking about a dove lighting on the window seal at the hospital when his wife was getting ready to have surgery. And it just brought peace to his heart. And I'm in the upper room and I'm praying. And I'm saying, God, why don't you do that for me? And that man, my wife texts, what a miracle it was. My wife texts, come downstairs There's two, and, and, and look at this. So there's two dove on the back porch, and it was just a miracle. That's what God wants to do is show you a double dove miracle tonight. Amen. Because God is able to give you peace when you don't even realize you need peace. Because sometimes we search for answers instead of peace. And sometimes we're looking in all the wrong places. And sometimes we're getting bad reports because somebody has told us something or told us about this or that. And we're getting all these reports from different areas, not realizing that what God is really trying to do, he's trying to lead you down the path of his presence instead of a path of answers. Because if I had the answer to everything, I could still hurt. You see, we don't know, we are, we are, the Bible said we're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're actually, a, we're not just a misinformation people. We are overload information. We get it from everywhere. But CNN and CBS and all the rest don't fill your spirit, man. Only the presence and power of path and, you know, of God is able to give the peace of God and able to do that in your heart and life. And, you know, James, and I was looking up that scripture a while ago, and that's why I was on my phone. I knew my wife would want to know. And uh, why are you on the phone on the platform? And so I thought I'd let her know. And uh, uh, she keeps me straight. She really does. And then... And, and, uh, James chapter 5 and verse 11, this is what uh, James had to say about the book of Job. 
He said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Now, I don't know about you, but the word endure and happy don't go together for me. It seemed to me like if you endure, you just you get, you know, you endure. You just do it. You just endure it. You know, how many of you would like to say that word better than I can? Just endure it. You know, I'm just enduring you. Yeah, look at your husband say that. I'm enduring you. No, don't do that. There's a fortify the family, not mess it up family night. So behold, however, James said, we behold, and I'm reading King James Version Bible. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. So you're going through the junk, and James is saying, we count you as a happy person. Because you're going through the junk. And this is what he said. Now you've heard of the patience of Job. And I said, yeah, I ain't Job. How many of you would like to say that? I'm not Job. I'm going to preach in just a little bit. I've got to lay this platform here. And, and, and here's what he said. You have heard of the patience of Job. How many always put a period there and think that's, the rest, that's all there is? It's not. And that's why I want to read this verse to you. He said... And you have seen the end of the Lord. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. It's not the stuff that you're going through right now. It's the end of the Lord that I want you to see. I want you to just get a glimpse of, of something just beyond for just a moment. Maybe on a Sunday night, May 7th. In a six o'clock church service, you just see something that you hadn't been seeing before because it hurts. You've been through some stuff. Somebody said something and it's digging at you. You've got a, it feels like you've got a, you've got a sharp instrument and it's just cutting on you every day. And it's that wound is it's just festering up and that poison is setting in. And pretty soon, if you don't watch out, bitterness and anger and all of a sudden you're popping off. And you don't even know why you're popping off. And you think it's hormones and thyroid and you're going, maybe it's your medicine you're on. Maybe it's just that grumpy husband you live with or whatever it is. But you're just popping off all the time. And you look at yourself and say, I don't even know why I'm popping off anymore. I don't know why. There's something on the inside. You know, God wants to, God wants to fill that spirit. When, when I was a young man, realized my father was an alcoholic, and, and when he got saved and we started seeking for the Holy Spirit, we didn't really know a lot about it, but Dad was going to men's prayer meeting, and, and the men kept telling him, just seeking for it, seeking for it. He didn't know what he was seeking for. He just, you know, so he needed a little bit more uh, instruction in that way. So he kept going to men's prayer meeting. They told him, well, just pray, you know, confess your sin, open your heart to God, give it. Well, he, and, and then here we are as kids, and I'm 12 years old, and here we are in a church service, and they're singing uh, uh, at Calvary. You know what I'm talking about, at Calvary. And we're singing that song, and all of a sudden, Terry Gray and Gene Gray and Terry Liddell and Jim Liddell started feeling the Holy Ghost, and we hadn't felt that. You know, it was new to us. But when Gene Gray and Terry Gray fell on their knees at the altar and started praying, that's where Terry and Jim went too, and we went down, and before I know it, I was filled with the Holy Ghost that night. Now, I didn't know how to seek it. I didn't even know what I was looking for, but God's found me. 
And what I found out is one of the greatest expressions of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the sweetness of it. He has the ability to calm yourself. He has the ability to settle you down. He has the ability to give you a self-control to where it's not you. You don't need rehabilitation and some kind of program and some kind of, well, we'll help you out. If you take enough of this, enough of that, and you meet with me three times a week and give me all your money, I'll fix you. You don't need fixed. You need filled. I still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Still believe in the baptism of the Spirit of God that can make you sweet. It can take care of your words. It can take care of your thoughts. And one time a guy was really saying, man, I'm having trouble with my thoughts. I'm just really battling this. I'm really battling my thought. And, you know, one time he said, and I'm trying to think better thoughts. All of a sudden we realized, a friend told me this. He said, you don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. Can I just tell you something? You don't fight thoughts with better thoughts. You fight thoughts with the word of God. Because the devil can speak to you thoughts and put stuff in your head. But the word of God causes him like a little wore out puppy dog. Put his tail between his legs and run off. Because you have spoke the word of God. My thoughts don't have power. The word has power. Amen. And when you get into the word of God, you begin to see. So how does that tell, what does that tell us about Job? Well, let me just tell you about the book of Job. Job is, lives in the city of Uz. Now, that's easier to write down than Beaumont. Us. Us. You know, us. We live in Us. That would be kind of neat. But it's not neat for Job. Because Job lives in Syria. There aren't any Christians up there. There's no Israelites. All the Israelites are in Egypt working for the Egyptian camp down there. There's no Christian people up there. There's no godly people. Job stands out because he is a one God worshiper. All the country had gods. But he is a God worshiper. And he stands out. And God said, he's a perfect man. Now that doesn't, now you ask his wife. She didn't think that. You see that later. Why don't you just curse God and die? She, you don't say that to a perfect man. The only perfect man that I know is not alive any longer. You and I are not perfect, right? But you know what the Word of God talks about when it says perfect? It doesn't mean without fault. What the Word of God means without perfect is you go to the tree nursery and you say, we want a tree and we're going to plant it in our yard and we want one of those eight-footers right there because we know one day it's going to grow and it's going to, and, that, and you walk over to that, or maybe you're buying a Christmas tree and you go to the Christmas tree lot and you go there, what do you do? You look for the perfect Christmas tree. It's not the biggest, it's not the tallest, it's not, it's not. It's not even alive. I mean, they've done cut it off. There's no roots to it. It's going to be dead by, by first of the year. Here's the thing. You look at that tree and say, it's perfect. Why? It is perfect in the state that it is in. And what you are, you strive to be perfect in the level that you are in. 
Strive to be in that level that you are at. And so if you're living for God, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you may be perfect in that level that you're in. That doesn't mean there's not another level. You may need to grow in faith. You may need to grow in some other areas of hope or, 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 or trust or evangelism or some other area of, of searching out God and finding Him. There's always room to grow. But he was a man who was perfect in the area he was in, and he lived in Syria. Some 500, I believe it was 500 and something miles. 500 in my notes. I'm looking at my notes. That's what I'm doing. I didn't want you guessing. 784 miles. In case I ever want to go to us, I want to know how far it was from Egypt, all right? 784 miles. Now, you got Moses over here in Egypt and all the Egyptian. You got Job over here in us, and he's up there 784 miles away. He's up there in a heathen country, and he is serving God. And guess what? He was a man who also won his family over to God. Because when you read in the Word of God, the Bible says that every day he prayed for his children, that if they were to sin, he would ask God to forgive them and bring that righteousness back into the family. Because when you're living in a sinful environment, it's easy to pick up sin. And he's praying, God, I want you to protect my family. And if we can fortify the family, one of the greatest ways you and I can do that is we can have our fathers start praying that kind of prayer over their children. Lord, as they go off to school today or as they go see their friends or Lord, as they go play that game today at the, on the ball field, Lord, I'm praying, oh God, Lord, if they have sinned, oh God, bring it to their attention. Let them confess it first to God and then to me. Amen. I always throw that in in case they want to tell me and uh, but Lord I pray oh God would you just help them in their life their sin oh God if there's any sin in their heart would you help them to Lord to find you quickly and repent of that and Lord not to walk in that I won't believe that if fathers would begin to pray for their kids to live righteous then we'd see more righteous kids amen and so this father is praying over his righteous children or these children to live righteous and he's serving the Lord and, and he's just doing all he can to live for God. And the Bible said that he worshiped God like that. And the, here's the thing that you'll find out. He said, in case they have cursed God. Now, the reason I'm preaching that is because I really want you to get down because the word curse God is found five different times in this short, in just a couple chapters of Job. The first couple chapters. His wife said it. The devil said it twice. And Job said it. God... It was such an important word that Job said, if my kids have cursed God. Now, how many know there's a whole lot of cursing going on in the world that shouldn't be? I mean, there used to be you wouldn't curse in front of children or people wouldn't curse in front of a woman and people wouldn't curse in public. But now it just happens everywhere. you got to wear earplugs. So somebody, you know, the other day let off a cuss word and I said, Hallelujah. You don't want me to pray, you quit your cussing. But anyway, that's not what the Bible was talking about. Bible's not talking about did they let off a four-letter word. He's saying what there is, what he's saying is, I don't want them to be so blessed that they forget to worship God. And cursing denies 
and the 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 spirit part of God or the 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 uh, godliness of God. It does not honor God when we curse him. It brings his name down in vain. And what he was saying was, I don't want the kids to get so rich that they don't honor and respect God any longer in their life. I want them to live for God in the blessing. They were the richest kids in the country. That was the richest family in the country. I don't want them to bless God. I don't want them to curse God. I don't want them to forget to respect and honor God in their wealth. And that was a marvelous thing. And God took note of that. But also the devil did. The devil took note that here was a man that was afraid his kids would bless God, would quit blessing God in their wealth. They have everything. They've got everything they want. But yet he don't want them to quit blessing God. It's important to teach your kids that stuff isn't everything. Blessing God is everything. And this is what Job was doing. And Job is praying for his kids. But then the devil talks to him and said, you know, if you took Job's stuff, he would curse God and die. He would curse God. Now God said, well, why don't you try him on that level? And so the, de- God, the devil goes down and takes everything away, his children, his farm, his money, his house, his livelihood, everything away. And when he does that, you know where you find Job? You find Job in a place to where he is still worshiping God. And then, you know what the Bible says? He says this about Job. Job is there. He's lost everything. And after seven days of grieving, and such. The Bible said, he said, naked I came into this world, and naked I'm going to go out. I, ha- I had nothing when I came in, and God gave it to me. And when I, when I leave, if God takes it all away, then that's up to God. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to worship God, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, whether I have it or whether I don't have it. God is worthy to be praised no matter what. That's what I want. I want to praise God. Now the Bible says in Ezekiel that that Noah and, and, and Daniel was two great men of faith. That's what the book of Ezekiel says about Noah and Daniel. They was great men of faith. But you know, he also names the name Job in that same passage, in that same lineup with Noah and Daniel. That you wouldn't think to put Job in there. Noah, Daniel, wow, great men. We've told their story, but nobody tells the story of Job in the kids' Sunday school class. They know about the boat. They know about the lion's den. To ask them what happened to Job, that ain't going there. He lost everything. But Job had a faith in God when everything was going bad, just like everything was going good. And here's what I want to tell you tonight to us in this church house. Amen. And this is what I just felt impressed to say, and I I, I believe it. But most of the battles that go in our life are not pocketbook battles. And they're not financial battles. And they're not battles of, uh, of even health and, and life and comfort. Air conditioners still work. The car's still running. It's not that. But where we fight our battles is the fight of here in our minds. 
to where we begin to fight anxiety and we fight depression. We fight the enemy attacking in our mind. And pretty soon the devil will begin to whisper in our ear that God loves others more than he loves you. And that God is answering their prayers, but He's not answering you. In fact, He's so sly, sometimes He'll come up to you and say, He can't and He won't. He'll be so bold as to whisper in your ear and say, God's not hearing your prayers any longer. He's not listening to you. He's not. And in the nighttime, the fear starts growing. Uh, all of a sudden, nighttime, all of a sudden, the enemy, it seems like a roar instead of a a mer, uh, you know, the meow of a cat. All of a sudden at night, it sounds like the growl of a ferocious lion. It gets louder and louder. And everything, all of a sudden, we begin to think in our own mind, in our own spirit, in our own heart, that there's just something that's not, you know, why am I thinking this? And here's the deal. If the devil can get you to have a bad self-image of God, then He's won you in the area of prayer. Because who wants to pray to a God that I don't feel like loves me? It doesn't feel like cares for me or God. He's not working in my life or He's not doing anything. And that's why I want to tell you about Job. Job says, no matter if He gives it to me or takes it away, I'm going to worship His name. I'm going to have a steadiness in my life that says I will live for God. And I'm going to worship God. Now his wife comes in and also says, well, why don't you curse God and die? Because she saw the agony that he was going through. The boils, the sickness that he was going through. She felt like it would be better. But the word curse, again, was not to curse God or to say four-letter words. But rather, why do you still worship when you feel so bad? But some of the sweetest worship I've ever seen, amen, is when someone's lying in the hospital room and they feel like they're getting ready to meet God in the next few days. Both hands raise up inside that room and you feel like, I just went to church. <laughs> There's been times I've went into a hospital room to pray for somebody. Amen. And I, they, <laughs> they may not got any help, but I sure did. I left that place and I felt like I'd been a revival service. Because I found out there was somebody that could worship God. Amen. In the midst of it all. Amen. I want you to know that this devil out here is bad. There is a world out there that's bad. I want you to know that. But there's a good God. And that we've always heard the phrase, uh, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Yeah. And there's reason for me to praise God. Because I found out he's been really good to Jim. Uh, that doesn't mean there hadn't been a day I was sick. Uh, but I can tell you I got up and I praise him. Uh, hey Amen. I can tell you there hadn't been a day I've been broke. But I can tell you there's other days I've been blessed. Uh, and I said, thank the Lord. Uh, I can tell you there's days that people walked away uh, and wouldn't talk to me. Uh, but there's been other days they run to hug my neck. I said, I'm going to praise God uh, no matter what. Uh, I'm going to praise Him when I'm hurt. I'm going to praise Him when I'm good. Uh, going to praise Him when I'm attacked. I'm going to praise Him when I'm in safety. Uh, I'm going to praise God when I'm walking in His presence. I'm going to praise Him when I don't feel a thing. Uh, I'm going to praise Him when I can't sing. Uh, I'm going to praise Him when I can't preach. Uh, I'm going to praise Him because He loves me. Amen. He loves me. 
I walked into a church house one night, one day. I was a pastor, and I said, Lord, I'm as dry as can be. I'm as empty as can be, and I can't feel a thing. And I don't want to get up behind that pulpit and preach again, empty and dry. Lord, I need help. And I prayed for two hours. I walked down the aisle. I walked in between pews. I walked around the altar. I knelt. I repented of sin. I did everything in my power to try to get through and nothing happened. Two hours later, I walked out the back doors of the church and as I was walking out, I thought, well, Lord, there's one more thing I'd like to tell you. I walked back in and I said, Lord, if you never decide to bless me again, I just want to let you know I'm going to love you anyway because I sure do love you. And when I said that, tears started flowing down my eyes. I knelt right there in the back part of the church between where the lobby was and the church house. And I said, that's what I missed the whole two hours. He didn't want me to beg. He wanted me to say, I love him. And he wanted to tell me he loved me. I want you to know that if the devil can cause you to question the love of God, he's got you. But God loves you. You might have found yourself in a bad situation, might have found yourself in a bad marriage, found yourself in a bad family, found yourself in a bad thing, uh, amen, found yourself in bad situation. But I can tell you there's a good God whose hand is stretched out still, and He is willing and able, amen, to help you. Amen. We talk about Job, and he is considered one of the wisest books in the Bible, when you read theologians, you know what they do? They put Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Job in the same category and call it the wisdom books. They don't call it the trouble book. They don't call it the problem book. They don't call it, amen, the get all the answers, pass, go, collect $200 book. They simply said it's a book of wisdom because the first guy come in and he said, if you don't have faith... If you just had faith, you'd get what you want. Second guy comes in and said, Oh, it's not a subject of faith. It's a subject of sin. If he wouldn't have sinned, he's got secret sin in his life. If it wasn't for sin in his life, that's what's wrong with him. And the third guy said, No, it's God just quit loving him. I mean, God's, uh, God's got, you know, judging him for something. It's just, uh, he's going through a path of life. And this is just, and I want you to know, God got mad at all three of them. I got a feeling that God's kind of mad at some religious people that looked at people that are going through junk. Amen. And we've tried to give them our philosophical, uh, philosophical reasons of why, and our theological reasons of why we feel like they're going through it. But I don't want you to listen to the devil one more time. You haven't sinned. Uh, amen. Some unpardonable thing. Uh, so come on, church. You're here tonight. You know what I'm talking about. You think you've done some unpardonable sin and God doesn't love you and doesn't hear from you any longer but I'm telling you there's a God of mercy and grace and what you need to know is the God at the end of the story amen that's what I'm talking about in the book of James you need to know the God that's at the end of the story that's what James said you know the patience of Job and the God and the Lord 
at the end. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes somebody you think that maybe it's just the course of life. It's just something I have to go through. Evidently, God's, you know, got me on the back burner for now. I want to tell you what, God would love to move you to the front burner. One of the things that men have trouble with when they pray is the self-image of God. We begin to paint pictures in our mind of what we feel like God looks like and how He acts and the things that God does. And all of a sudden, when we begin to approach God, we have this image we have to walk through. And I did that. I got into a church house one time and was praying, and I said, Lord, I'm having the hardest time just praying, Lord. Would you teach me how to pray? And I remembered that scripture in the Word of God. My Father, or our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so I started going through that. I prayed that prayer four times. And I said, Lord, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to feel close to you. I just want to walk close to you. What am I missing here? You've told me to look into this prayer, and I've looked at it. I've prayed it four different times. I've stopped on different issues. I've looked at it. God, what am I missing? And all of a sudden, I accidentally started praying it the fifth time, and I said, My Father, which art in heaven. And all of a sudden, tears begin to flow down my cheek. And I realize, hey man, I'd been praying our Father so many times, so many is times, uh, that I was making it all of us. And I realized that He was not just our Father, He's my Father. Amen. Who lives in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in me as it is in heaven. And when I got to that part, I realized it's my father who's been guiding myself. It's my father who's been walking alongside of me. It's my father been holding my hand. It's my father that's been with me. It's my father who wants to bless me. It's my father who wants to talk to me. Hallelujah. My father. Amen. Hallelujah. Changes the image of God. And so Job goes through this whole thing, and at the end, he reaches this place. And I'd like for our singers to come back up. And you guys were singing a song, and it was about uh, healing in the name of Jesus, peace in the name of Jesus. It wasn't the last one. It was one in the middle somewhere. If you don't mind singing that. Is that okay, Pastor? Okay. I'd like for a stand, please. There's a lot more preaching here. I, <clears throat> but I feel like it's time to, for you and I to come together to grips. God had you in mind before this service started. Before you and I had ever started getting dressed, getting things together, grabbing the car keys and the ladies grabbing your purse, God started putting things in order for the message. And he said, tonight I've got something for Betty. She's been going through some hard days. There's times she gets lonely. There's times she hurts. But I've got something for her tonight. 
But sometimes we'll look in a service and say, let the young people go up. Let some of the others pray. They always get blessed. I've seen them dance in the Holy Spirit. I've seen them pray in other tongues. And I walk away and I'm so happy for them. But Lord, have you ever thought about me? Have you ever thought, oh God, that you could do that for me? And I've got good news for you. God was thinking about doing that before you ever got here. But sometimes we just don't look at God that way. We see the God of the first chapter in Job, but we don't see the God in the last chapter of Job. Come on, church. I see a God that's letting the devil just play ping pong with my brain. I see a God that's letting the devil attack my children, my home, and my health. I see a God that's angry and upset because I've done stuff and said stuff and thought stuff and, you know, popped off like we were saying at the beginning. And that's the way that I have seen. But I want you to go with me through the chapters of Job, one right after the other, and realize that the first guy wasn't telling the truth. The second guy wasn't telling the truth. And the third guy wasn't telling the truth. But that's who we're listening to. That's who we've been listening to. The wrong people. The wrong voices. And God said, I want you to find me. Find God in the last chapter of Job. Where you see I'm a merciful God. I'm a kind God. I'm a loving God. I'm a God that restores. I'm a God that brings back. I'm a God that gives. I'm a God that looses. I'm a God that heals. I'm a God that brings things into order. I'm a God that settles peace in your mind. Hallelujah. I want you to come. And and I would just say, amen. This time, don't be the last one. This time, be one of the first ones. Because you want to rush in to the last chapter because you've been living in the first chapter. God wants to bring to you, amen. God wants to fortify families. God wants to heal your mind, heal your body. Sister, I don't even know you, but when I saw you earlier in the service, I said, God's got something for this young lady. I want you to come and seek with a full heart because God had you in mind. I saw you earlier. I haven't even met you yet. No, God's got you in mind for some reason. Amen. Please. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come here, sister, and sit on this front seat. The lady in the green jacket. Right over here. Amen. How many believe how many how many know we can have church tonight? I need some good men who'll pray with Michael and David today. Amen. I see some men that'll pray with these young men. These young people love the Lord. There's people here that need to pray through. Amen. They need to know that God is in love with them. There's peace that God wants to bring to our minds. Peace He wants to bring to our soul.
Amen. I'm going to talk to God tonight. I'm going to talk to God. Lord, I'm going to worship you when I hurt. I'm going to worship you when I lose. I'm going to worship you, oh God. Lord, when I'm fighting things in my mind, I'm going to take the word of God, begin to speak it out. I'm going to stand upon the word of God. I'm going to believe the Lord. Hallelujah. There's some people going to get help tonight now. There's people getting help tonight. Lord, pull me into the last chapter of Job. Pull me in. Bring my lost kids back to Jesus. Bring my, lost, my grandkids, my lost grandchildren back to Jesus. Lord, bring, oh God. Oh God, bring joy back into my spirit. I don't know where I left it. I don't know what shelf I left it on, but somewhere, Lord, I don't have the joy that I need in my life. And I'm asking you, oh God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you put that joy back down inside of me? Let me find, oh God, let me find, Lord. Oh God, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. 